Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. Well, here we are. Happy New Year. I hope you found some rest over this time and some blessing over Christmas. It's exciting to be sharing the first sermon of the year with you, and it's a privilege, and I hope that God blesses you through this. Now, when we talk about New Year's, the conversations inevitably turn towards New Year's resolutions. Do you make them? Have you made any? Perhaps it's time to lose weight or gain weight, time to find a new career, Time to start that stamp collection you've always dreamt of. Maybe time to grow a moustache. Personally, I don't make New Year's resolutions, but I do find that at the new year, I take stock of my life and think about the basics again. For me, there's nothing more grounding than reminding myself of the fundamentals of life. I know this helps because at this time of the year, it's very easy to feel overwhelmed. There's almost a burden at the potential of a new year, that blank slate, wondering how to fill it, doing it with meaning or purpose. It's a bit daunting. And for those that find the idea of having to need to know God's will or plan for your life, like I do, the atmosphere of a new year really compounds that pressure. We find ourselves asking, God, oh, what do I need to do? What do I need to say? God, tell me. Do I take that job? Do I go on that holiday? However, I find instead of looking at God and scripture like a magic eight ball, going back to simple truths, the basics, the fundamentals, they'll help you align yourself with God and give you intentional momentum into your year. I have three basic truths to share with you. And truth number one, God loves you. Now, these are really simple truths. God loves you. Did you know that? How many times has someone said that to you? This might be the umpteenth millionth time you've heard this. It also might be the first time that you've heard this. So please let me say that again to you. God loves you. Did you know that? Did you know that he's jealous over you? Deuteronomy 4 says that the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. He's consumed with desperation to know you. He desires your attention. He sent his son to make a way so you can give him your attention. A powerful scripture that reminds us of of God's love for me personally, is Romans 8, verses 38 to 39. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God will not separate himself from you. And for those who may never have experienced this love, I invite you, make space for it. 
Receive it. Now, have you ever gone shopping for a new perfume or fragrance? I love doing this. You go to Maya or Mecca or Chemist Warehouse, hunting for like that signature scent, and you find it. You spray it and it's love at first sniff. You uh, think, oh, I'm going to be smelling amazing this year. I'm going to be sending up a fragrance up to heaven that's going to delight the Lord and everyone else. And you just go gaga. You, you spray it every day. You, oh, it smells so good. Time to take on the day. And you're just going absolutely bunter over it. And then maybe a week or two in, you kind of don't smell it as much. And you go, oh, yeah, this is nice. And about an hour in, you're like, oh, can't really smell it. But everyone else is like, you smell really nice. It's becoming scent blind. It happens. And I think that we've become scent blind to his love. We hear it over and over again. God loves you. God loves you. And we sometimes forget to let that sink in to our hearts, sink into our being. Kind of, we hear it and go, oh yeah, I know, I know. But sometimes I think I don't know. Especially the way that I receive it makes me feel like I don't know. So in light of this truth, I want to ask you to make room for intimacy this year. Build time with him. Minute by minute. It doesn't have to be much. We don't have to go for hours-long marathon prayer sessions. Could be five minutes in the morning. Could be the one minute or two minutes it takes to recite the Our Father. But if we build, it grows. And be open and vulnerable to him. Talk to him about your fears, your failures, even the things that you want to praise him for and be thankful for. He wants to know it all. He's not scared by it. He's not put off by it. Allow yourself to be open and vulnerable. Make time for him. Ask him to take you deeper in his love. Now, I don't have any kids of myself, but I've got nephews and I love them. One of them is three months old, I think. Yes, three months old. And he's amazing. I love him. But he doesn't do anything for me. He makes a lot of noise, makes a lot of smells, but he looks really cute. And I think he's the best. Don't tell his brother. I think God's love is like that. He loves us even though we do nothing for him because there's nothing we can do to earn it. We just have to receive it. Which brings me to simple truth number two. God is more interested in who you are over what you do. I wish I could tell you the amount of time that I've spent agonizing over asking God, what do you want me to do with my life? But we don't have hours. And if you're like me, you've constantly asked that question to God, what do you want me to do? And it applies to so many areas of my life. What career do I take? What course do I study? Where, where do I find a girl to ask out? Where do I go to brunch today? It, there's so many questions and, and it's actually a really hard thing to do and, it, and it's exhausting. So let me help you by reframing this question. God, who do you want me to be? I'm going to show you through some scripture why you should ask that question. In Matthew 15, Jesus lays it out pretty plainly. 
Listen and understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. What comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. It's not about what we do. It's not about what we receive or or the things that we do in our life or the actions that we take. It's actually what comes from within. And the Psalms also proclaim that you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken and contrite heart. He's interested in the very depths of our being, the foundations of who we are. And what flows out of this? Because we can do the right things, but our hearts can be in the wrong place. In fact, it's very easy to do the right thing, not actually have the right posture. I've been there so many times. In fact, when it comes to that, Jesus offers a very stern warning. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. That is a really confronting scripture. It always convicts me, makes me feel like I could be doing better. But when you look at it in that burden perspective of trying to decipher God's will for your life, it's actually really comforting. In fact, it's liberating. It's clear to see that Jesus actually wants to know who we are instead of the things that we do for him or we try to do for him. We strive to do the thing that we need to earn his love and earn our place. He doesn't need that. He just wants to know you. He wants to develop who you are. He wants to bring out the person he made you to be. He wants a heart that leans towards him, not hands that are constantly rushing for him. So this year, if you wanted to ask God that question, who do you want me to be? A really practical place I would begin to start is in Galatians 5, to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Pick one, any one of them. Pick more, pick all of them. Doesn't really matter. You can't go wrong with any of them. Perhaps you could spend a, a day in contemplation thinking, God, which spiritual fruit should I develop this year? Or you could just roll a dice. Cast a lot. There's a biblical precedence for it. Maybe if you're particularly brave, you might ask a loved one, which spiritual fruit in my life is a little underripe? But give yourself time to reflect over it. In fact, when you think about a spiritual fruit that could be a little more pronounced in your life, maybe think about some of the roles that you have in your life and that it could apply to. When I mean roles, I think about being a patient spouse or a more loving sibling. Maybe a kinder parent, a faithful employee. There are many things in our lives, the roles that we have, that can always use a bit more fruit. When we do this, when we allow ourselves to think about the things that we do in our lives, the roles, mother, brother, father, son, friend, 
It puts wheels on the work that God's doing in your life. It prevents this process of formation and transformation that you're letting God do to send him to simple navel-gazing because we're too busy reflecting without attaching it to the things that we have in our lives. When we walk this out, when we begin to attach spiritual fruit and spiritual growth to the roles that we have in our lives, the third truth actually becomes apparent to us. Because even if you don't know what to do, you actually do know what to do. Go and make disciples. I did say it was simple. This is something we've probably heard a lot of times if you're in church. Oh, yes, I know how to go and make disciples. But we actually dive a little deeper into that scripture. And the word go in that passage for Greek is a passive word, porua, means to as you go on your journey, as you walk through life. So a more appropriate way of, of uh, saying the scripture would be as you go in life or as you are being, make disciples. As we go through our lives applying this, the results of who we are, our being instead of focusing on our doing, we find that all these roles and situations, being a brother, being a father, because you can't do a brother, you can't do a father, you be these things, you be a friend, you be kind, you be loving, you be gentle. Our lives become this fertile soil for discipleship. And we bring his kingdom wherever we go. We're not looking for the moments that we make disciples. We're not trying to carve out specific evangelistic time. It just flows out of us. Flows out of our relationships. Flows out of the things that we do because we know who we are. We're not trying to do something because we're striving. We're just being. Because what you do will spring out of who you are. When you're being, instead of doing, you're going. Now, in these three truths, there's actually a really beautiful order to it. We begin to make room for God's love. We open up our hearts. We receive a deeper, more intimate sense of his love for us. And we understand that I couldn't do anything to earn this. I just want to receive it. And God, I know that you want to know me. And then you ask God, where do I need to grow in my life? God, what can, where can I do better? Where can I be better? It becomes apparent. It comes out of us in our lives. And when we allow ourselves not to be paralyzed by wondering what the next step is, the next season of our lives, and simply just be, we're actually seeking his kingdom first. And you'll find that the things we used to worry about will simply fall into line as Jesus promised. And these truths might sound familiar to you. If you've been around the traps at Red long enough, probably or mainly last year, you would have heard three simple words, abide, renew, and go. This sermon is simply another reflection of this principle of discipleship. We abide in his love, 
basic truth number one. We are renewed by him. We are transformed by him. Basic truth number two. And then we go. Basic truth number three. In fact, this is the vision that Red has for you this year as a disciple of Christ. Being transformed on the inside out. Allowing yourself to take him with you in your life. Not just looking for moments, but being a disciple. You can't do it. You have to be it. So before this year gets a little bit too busy, a bit hectic, runs away from you, happens, happens to everyone. Give yourself some time to reflect over this. Ask yourself, God, do I know your love? Do I receive it? Do I just let it bounce off me because I've heard it so many times? God, who do you want me to be? I'm tired of striving, trying to do the right thing. I want to be who you've made me to be. And God, where can I go? Where can I be that person in my life? Who are the people that need you the most? That need your love, need your kindness and your peace and your joy. I want to bring that with you, with me. Bring that to my friends, my family, my co-workers. Help me to be that person for you. God desires nothing more than to see you flourish, to grow into that person he knows you to be. Please let me pray for you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you so much that you love us. We thank you that there's nothing we can do for your love. We thank you that you desire to know us that we don't have to earn our way to you. We simply need to fall into your love. God, teach us more of your ways. Holy Spirit, help to grow fruit in our lives where we need it. Help us to see the needs in our life where the fruit can grow and the people who need the nourishment of that fruit. And help us to go and be that, that person for them. Lord, we just pray for a, for a year of simplicity in our faith in you. Help us become like children again, simply just coming to you because you love us. And you want nothing more than for us to reflect that until a world that so desperately needs it. Amen. <laughs>